0: Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B,
1: here's Sean Kelly. How goes the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report? Hope this finds you well. And greetings today again from San Francisco, California. Sean Kelly with you. As we get set for Pelicans basketball tonight, we'll take on the Golden State Warriors. That's a 9.30 tip-off. So we're getting our day kind of started early here with you on Black and Blue Report, and our show uh, coming to you from the uh, friendly confines of my hotel room in San Francisco. Producer Dan's in Studio B back in New Orleans, helping us get it all together today, and we've got a, a great show for you today. Uh, Ross Tucker, uh, former NFL player, now uh, kind of an NFL media util- uh, utility guy, really. He's all over the place. Uh, he gives us coverage on Sirius XM, uh, NFL radio. He's got a podcast at Sports USA. Uh, dot com. He also is uh, calling games on a national level, writing for the Sporting News, and a whole lot more. Well, he was at the uh, Saints game this past Sunday, so I want to get his thoughts about that and uh, kind of help us paint the picture in the NFL with uh, two weeks to go. So Ross Tucker with us today on the Black and Blue Report. Then a real special treat, uh, Rosie Napravnik, who uh, is a uh, world-class jockey. She, she uh, spends her time in New Orleans uh, during the fairground season. Uh, she and her husband both have now... Bought a home in New Orleans. We'll uh, talk to her about what she likes about living here, working here, and, uh, and her great 2013. She is the first woman ever to ride in all three of the Triple Crown races in the same year. That's all been a part of a very fantastic 2013 for Rosie Napravnik. Um, and so I'm really anxious to talk to her today. Then we'll turn our attention to the Pelicans a little bit later on in the show. We, uh, we get the uh, general manager today, Del Demps, will stop by. He's with me out here in San Francisco. And uh, Joel Myers, too, who will have the uh, call on Fox Sports New Orleans tonight. Uh, television covers not only tonight, and to, but then again tomorrow night at the Los Angeles Clippers. So we have a very busy show, a good Tuesday uh, from the road for you. Speaking of the road, yesterday the uh, Pelicans practiced at the uh, World Famous Olympic Club. And uh, while did, they did that, I got some work done and enjoyed uh, the city a little bit. We had a nice group dinner last night uh, at a place called the Original Joe's, uh, which if you've been out here before, you've probably heard all about that place. It's kind of in the North Beach area, uh, which is kind of the Italian section of town. Uh, great, great weather. It's been a good visit so far. Now we just need to get a win tonight for the Pelicans, even up this road trip and get back over the 500 mark. We'll do so tonight against a Warriors team that's trying to figure themselves out a little bit. So could be a very good matchup tonight, and um, uh, I'll be curious when I go to shoot around later today. What is the latest on Anthony Davis and uh, Tyreek Evans both as uh, the Pelicans certainly do need those guys back and in a hurry with this uh, tough, tough schedule this week. So a lot going on. Glad you're with us. Don't forget to help us spread the word. uh, If you don't mind, you can get the Black and Blue Report now a number of different ways. It's free to you on iTunes, and if you hit the subscribe button, it'll download to your mobile device for you each day as the show comes up. Sometime afternoon central and is there. Uh, for you at any point. We call it No Appointment Radio. Of course, it's uh, always available on your desktop at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com, and on the two team apps, both fantastic tools, the Saints app and the Pelicans app, available for your Apple and Android devices. All right, so coming up, Ross Tucker to talk the NFL in just a moment, Rosie Napravnik, Del Demps, and Joel Myers today. You can always follow the show on Twitter, at BlackBlueReport, or... At Sean Kelly Live. That's my personal Twitter account, and I'll have some stuff for you later on today regarding the Pelicans uh, from that vantage point. Stay tuned. We've got a lot to cover, and we don't want you to go anywhere.
2: Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Ochsner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is,
3: I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems.
2: Leading-edge care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call one 866 That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind.
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, coming to you from San Francisco today. I'm not sure where Ross Tucker is, but uh, he's been gracious enough to join us on this uh, Tuesday program. We've got to get our attention back to the NFL for a short time. Ross Tucker, by the way, I don't know if you're familiar. You probably should be. He played seven years in the NFL for five different teams before retiring in 2008. Um, He's probably much smarter than I am as a 2001 Princeton graduate, and he's a very, very busy man. Um, I want to ask him here shortly about the Ross Tucker football podcast, which you can find at sportsusamedia.com. Um, but he's also involved with Sirius XM NFL radio, pro football talk of the NBC Sports Network, and a whole lot more, including calling games, which he did this past Sunday when the Rams uh, took down the New Orleans Saints in St. Louis. Ross, good morning. Uh, where, where do we find you today?
4: Today I am in Stamford, Connecticut, because I taped the television show for the Yes Network, which is the Yankees Network, and and, then I've already done my radio show for Sirius XM and recorded my podcast, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Now tonight I'll be on Pro Football Talk on the NBC Sports Network. But home for me is Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is the same hometown as Marcus Colt. And Marcus, as you may or may not know, owns the local arena team, the Harrisburg Stampede. So when I talk with Marcus, that's often what we talk about is the Harrisburg Stampede. He's done a really nice job with that franchise.
1: You know, he is one of the coolest guys I have met now in covering the NFL, the Quiet Storm. That guy gets it done on the field and is a perfect gentleman otherwise and is somewhat elusive because he's not a big talker at all. Um I don't know what your relationship is like with him, but he's one that I, I seemingly always want to tip the cap to and just tell him nice job and and allow him to um, keep his uh, his uh, anonymity as far as interviews and everything else goes.
4: Yeah, you know, I just met him this year. I'm actually from Reading, PA. I just met him this year. I went up to him I said, hey, I'm living in Harrisburg now and told him my deal, and I knew that he owned, owned the local arena team. And you're right, he is kind of a soft-spoken guy. He's a very smart guy, and he's done some great things with that Arena Two team in the Harrisburg area. And I just, I think he's the most underrated, underappreciated receiver of this generation. You look at how consistent he's been. You know, six of his first seven years, he's gotten over a thousand yards. Only seven receivers in the history of the NFL have ever done that. I think he's third in touchdowns with 62 since he came into the league. I mean, he's just. He's had a tremendous career, but because he's not a diva, because he doesn't do those type of things, I think he doesn't get really the credit he deserves.
1: There's no doubt. There's no doubt. The the Pro Bowl overlooks on this alone are are astounding to me, and I know I'm biased working for the Saints, but um, it is what it is. Ross, uh, tell me what you thought when you left uh, the Edward Jones Dome on Sunday after watching the Saints and the Rams go.
4: Uh, A little bit surprised, you know, especially when you looked at what happened earlier in the day. I mean, I can remember being up in the press box talking with Mickey Loomis about the fact that the Vikings put 48 points on the Eagles, that the Vikings had beaten the Eagles that badly, and we were both kind of surprised by that. And then, of course, out goes the Saints, and, and they get thoroughly dominated, for the most part, by the St. Louis Rams. But it just goes to show you, as I wrote in my column for the Sporting News, that, you know, there is no quit NFL players. People look at the Vikings or the Steelers or the Rams and say, you know, they got nothing to play for. Well, they got everything to play for. It's an NFL game. That's what they do. I mean, and they're playing for their jobs. And I thought the Rams really match up well with the Saints because what the Saints issues are issues that the Rams can make the most of, and that is offensive line, pass protection, in particular Charles Brown, is a below-average left tackle. Robert Quinn is as good of a pass rusher as there is in the NFL right now. They obviously more than had their hands full with Quinn. He made a huge difference in the game. And then the Saints run defense at times. And I was there for the Jets game as well. Leave something to be desired. And Zach Stacy and the Rams were able to take advantage of that. I mean, I thought I thought the better team on Sunday won. The Rams won because they deserved to win. They had a better plan and they executed it.
1: Ross Tucker with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Ross, when you look at the, the Saints with two games to go, Carolina on the road and then home against Tampa Bay, when it's all said and done, in your eyes, are the Saints the number two seed in the NFC? If so, why? If not, why?
4: No, I think they're gonna end up being a wild card. Um and, and I say that because I think they're gonna lose to Carolina on Sunday. Now I could be wrong, and I've got, you know, a lot of guys on the Saints that I like and You know, maybe I hope I'm wrong. But I just think, you know, everything I just said about the Rams and the matchup, I kind of feel that way about the Panthers as well. I'm not exactly sure what happened on Sunday night last week when Carolina came to town and the Saints thrashed them. But I do think that for whatever reason, the Saints, they just don't play as well on the road. I think Carolina and that defensive line, is going to get after Charles Brown in the Saints' offensive line. I think Carolina will do a better job running the football this time around. And as long as they don't give up that big quarter and don't get behind and have to throw the ball, I think Carolina gets the win. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints bounce back. They normally do. But when they normally bounce back, it's usually back at home, you because know, you don't usually play back-to-back away games like they're playing. So I'm going to take Carolina to, to win a close one, wouldn't be surprised if they went the other way, but because of that, and I think Carolina beats the Atlanta Falcons in Week 17, and Carolina, seemingly out of nowhere five or six weeks ago, wins the NFC South.
1: Wow, wow. If we take Carolina, the Saints, Seattle, and I guess maybe San Francisco too, um, would those be the top four going into the, the into the tournament on the NFC side? Is there anybody that I'm missing that will jump in there and have some say in this thing?
4: No, I think those are are clearly the four best teams. That. You know, whoever wins the NFC North, whoever wins the NFC East, I think they'll be underdogs in the first-round home playoff game against the NFC West runner-up and the NFC South runner-up, whoever that ends up being, which is kind of amazing, isn't it, that there's that much of a difference between, you know, it might just be a game between the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints, and that is a bye and a second-round home game versus having to win three straight games on the road, which I think is very, very difficult to do. That's why that loss to the Rams was so critical for the Saints, but they can make up for it if they can beat Carolina on Sunday.
1: Yep, and then take care of business against Tampa Bay. I agree. Hey, Ross, before I let you go, let me flip you over to the AFC side for just a second. That's one I just can't get my arms around. You know, I've been kind of in that, that, that boat of Denver's the team and everybody else in the AFC. I'm not so sure anymore. Um, Is there a favorite now in the AFC, or is it just a complete mess with two weeks to go?
4: I think it's still the Broncos are the favorite, but I don't think they're overwhelming favorites. I think there are teams that can beat them on any given day, but they'd have to play very well. Kansas City, the way they're playing offensively, maybe they could do it. If Andy Dalton has a good day, I think the Bengals could do it, but that's obviously a big if. Maybe even the Ravens, just because they're not intimidated, they're not afraid They've shown they can do it before, but, again, I believe the Broncos will have the number one seed. I think the Broncos, you know, will win those two home playoff games and we will get to the Super Bowl, but it's not going to be easy because their defense is far, far from dominant. So especially if the Chiefs' defense can get back to how they were playing earlier, that w- they could give the Broncos a lot of trouble. Plus, it's hard to beat the same team three times in one
1: year. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Ross Tucker, our guest here on the Black and Blue Report, Hey Ross, are you uh, heavily involved in the uh, Twitter world? And if so, how can folks follow you? I'm sure there's good stuff on that.
4: I am. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. I really enjoy Twitter. Uh, I don't understand people that aren't on Twitter. It's, you know, people. Some people think it's Sean. It's still. Oh yeah, you, I don't really care what you had for breakfast. Twitter is the best information source out there. Period, and it's not a close second. It's so efficient to know what's going on. So yeah, I'm all over it at Ross Tucker NFL. That's where I'll drop my, uh, my one-liners a couple times a
1: day. Well, good. I'm going to follow you starting today. Um, there's no doubt. When I, when I, I found that when I follow the right people, it's like an instant newswire for me. So I love it. I love it. Um, I will be doing that today, and I'll also be checking out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which uh, can be found at sportsusamedia.com. Hey, as far as Sirius, uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio, which is a fantastic channel, Ross, what time of the day do we find you there?
4: I'm on by myself every morning, 6 to 7 a.m., and then uh, Thursdays and some other days I'm on from 7 to 11 a.m. And I can tell you, a lot of coaches listen. I was talking to Aaron Cromer in Chicago, and he said, and you would know it better than I, but he said that I got him across that bridge many times when he was in New Orleans. I don't even know what bridge he's talking about. I'm sure you do. But he listens to me while he drives over the bridge early in the morning.
1: Yep, that's the Causeway Bridge, and I drive it every day as well. It's 24 miles over water, and satellite radio is fantastic for that drive.
4: (laughs) Wow, 24 miles over water?
1: Yes, yes, yes. A 24-mile bridge? That's crazy. That's right over Lake Pontchartrain. You'll have to come down and see it sometime. Oh my gosh!
4: That must have taken them forever to build. I always wonder with stuff like that. What's the first thing you do? Like, where's where's the first nail you put in, or the first brick you lay down? You know. You know, Where it's funny. Spot?
1: I was we were flying from Denver the other night, and we were flying over the ski resorts on our way to San Francisco, and uh, and I was looking down, and I'm thinking, okay, kind of you and I think the same way on this. I'm looking at it, going, okay, how did they get electricity out to these remote? mountain spots you know what's the first thing you do <laughs> and how long does it take that's a great, that's a great point people that are yeah. way smarter than i am i just well, talk about you're, football you're not you're not kidding hey i hope you'll come back and talk football with us again and maybe we'll learn more about the causeway bridge next time you come on too <laughs> sounds great my pleasure anytime all right ross tucker at ross tucker nfl on twitter fantastic job ross and uh, we'll look forward to uh what you've got for us on xm serious xm coming up later in the week All right. When we come back, we're going to jump into a conversation with uh, Rosie Napravnik. She is uh, running right now at the fairgrounds in New Orleans. Uh, She is a world-class jockey and a giant now in that sport at the young age of 25. We get uh, her presence today on the Black and Blue Report. And still to come, Pelicans General Manager Del Demps and television voice Joe Myers. Got a great show for you today. Don't you go anywhere.
0: Hey there. What you having?
1: Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Our next guest is a giant in the world of thoroughbred horse racing. She makes her home now in New Orleans this time of year, but you've seen her all over the country, if not the world, uh, riding the, uh, the mounts that are in the biggest races, including the Triple Crown this past year, all three of those. That's Rosie Napravnik. Um, Anna Rose Napravnik, I guess, is the full name, right, Rosie? That is
5: my, my proper name is Anna Rose, yes.
1: You know, I was, when I was researching trying to, to get my arms around the great things that you've done here in your young career, I was fascinated by the story, and you tell me if this is right or wrong, that when you first started in this, um, you wanted to go by AR. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, well, it was actually um, uh, Dickie Small, who is uh, the trainer that started me out and a mentor of mine that uh, made the suggestion he's known for, uh, starting out female jockeys, and um, I was actually with him when he went to make the entry for my first race ever, and he said, oh, what name are we going to use? And I said, well, um, well, gee, I don't know my name, <laughs> you know? And he said, no, we can't. We can't use your name because you don't want anybody to know that you're a girl. So he said, we'll just use your initials. And so that's how that started. And it, it wasn't, it was just, you know, for me, it was just, I was just doing what boss said, and I didn't realize that it probably, uh, it definitely served its purpose doing it that way.
1: Rosie depravnik uh, and, and if you don't mind and, and of course, my wife would really she'd be upset if I did this, but if I can give your particulars here, it's not often that I would ask a a lady how much she weighs, but um, at five foot two and about a hundred and thirteen pounds and twenty five years of age uh rosie you're a you're a, um, a a small package of dynamite here in a world where there are large animals uh, running around that track, um, and I know most jockeys are of a smaller nature but Um, that seems awfully intimidating to me. How did you, how did you get the toughness to be a a part of such a physical sport?
5: Uh, well, you know, I, I've been around horses my entire life and, um, you know, I started riding when I was extremely young. I was probably four when I started competing in, um, in shows, you know, on my little tiny pony. Um, so just, you know, growing up with them from the very beginning, you know, kind of takes out the intimidation of the animal itself, um. But, uh, you know, I also grew up with an older brother and, and competed in co-ed sports, and so that was always, you know, I always wanted to be able to keep up with my brother and do everything that he could do, and I never wanted anybody to ever give me any breaks. So, uh, you know, it just all came together, and I happened to be in just the perfect career for for an attitude like that.
1: Your 2013's been pretty good, hasn't it?
5: It's been a very good year.
1: When you look back now as becoming the first female jockey to to ride in, all three of the Triple Crown races in the same year. Do you do you find yourself to be a bit of a, a pioneer, I guess, for women in horse racing?
5: You know what? I, I really don't at all. I mean, there was there have been many, many female jockeys before me, um, some some that people might know the names of and, and many that uh, people wouldn't know the names of um, that really opened the doors for, for my generation of female jockeys. Um, you know, in my career... I certainly didn't have to go through many of the hardships um, that, that they did in, in the first and second generations of female jockeys.
1: Over 1,100 starts this year, Rosie. You've won 254 times. I haven't even mentioned the numbers of second and third. But uh, each time you win, which includes, I think, a couple of them this past weekend at the fairgrounds, um, does it ever get ho-hum when you finish first?
5: Absolutely not. There's one thing about this game is winning never gets old. And that's probably what keeps us all going because it's very demanding and it's um it's not ever easy and there's a lot of ups and downs, but winning is definitely what keeps us going. It never gets
1: old. Tell me about running at the fairgrounds this time of year in New Orleans. Why why here for your winter home, I guess?
5: Well, I came down here, um, I guess it was two thousand and ten or yeah, two thousand ten. Um <clears throat> and it was really sort of, for me it was a big risk to come down here and start on a new circuit. Um, and, you know, I'd heard a lot about how tough the Jockey County is here and they're kind of tight knit and they're all Cajuns and they're real, you know, hard asses. And, um, so it was very intimidating. Um, but I did, uh, decide to come down and it was, ended up being a great decision. And, um, I was able to kick off doing really well. I had a, you know, a great agent who I still work with down here today, um, for the last, for the last three years. And this is my fourth year. Um, and we just did, we did, extremely well, much, much better than I had um, had foreseen. I told uh, I told my husband when I was uh, getting ready to come down the first year, I said, well, you know, I'll probably win 30 races. And I ended up winning 110 and I had won 30 before the first of the year. So it was, you know, above and beyond any expectations that I had had. But um, beside that, you know, and doing well and having success, uh, my husband and I just really fell in love with the city and we bought a house here at the end of that year. And uh, we just really, you know, this is, the for a big chunk of the year, we travel so much that this is sort of uh, the most stable place, but it's also a place for us that we really enjoy, and, and we look forward to getting down here in and, and our house. We love our house in the city, and um, we do all sorts of things around the city and really just enjoy the town.
1: Rosie Napravnik, thoroughbred jockey, our guest here on the Black and Blue Report this morning. Rosie, when you look at the uh, the competition that you get in New Orleans and the quality of the horse racing over the uh, at the fairgrounds. Do you think folks in New Orleans realize what they have in that in that season that starts you know late fall, early winter, and takes us into the spring?
5: I hope, I certainly hope they do. I mean, there's a lot of history that's gone through the fairgrounds, and I probably don't even have enough appreciation for it because I you know I'm sort of a baby in the sport, but. Um, you know, there's a lot of great great riders here and and that have been here in the past and we have uh, a lot of good good horse racing here good horses come through and we have the Triple Crown prep races which is you know, extremely exciting and um you know a lot of my loot was a horse that I rode here last year in the fairgrounds and went on to finish fifth in the Kentucky Derby and third in the Preakness so i mean you get a lot of really quality and it's, it's very exciting I mean, if you don't realize uh, what you're watching then You'll realize that, you know, at derby time when, when all these horses are, oh, my God, I saw that horse at the fairgrounds, you know. Um, so it's, it's really exciting, um, and it's great to be in a, in a place where I get to be a part of that.
1: My loot was uh, very good to you this uh, this past year. Uh, as you mentioned, it took you to the Triple Crown races. Have you had a favorite over the years, Rosie? I, you know, I think, what, professionally since about oh5 right? It, in that time, has there been a particular horse that, You've uh, become more fond of or that seem to have a better connection with you than any other?
5: You know, I would say my favorite horse that I've ridden is Believe You Can, who I won the Fairgrounds Oaks on um, the year before last. Um, and uh, she's just a horse that she just has a, a, a great personality. She's a horse that, you know, whether I'm getting on her for training in the morning or getting on her in the afternoon, um, I just have this real excitement, and I almost get giddy about riding her. She just, you know, I guess we just had some sort of connection and, and, you know, doing as well as we did together. It didn't hurt anything. So she's probably one of my most special horses that I've ridden.
1: Rosie, on this show we talk about injuries all the time, to NBA guys, NFL guys, and whatnot. I I would imagine your list is pretty pretty impressive as far as bumps, bruises, and otherwise.
5: Yeah, um, I could consider myself unlucky and also considers myself very lucky um, with my injuries. I've had quite a few and probably um, more than usual in, in the short amount of time of my career. Um, I've had five five major incidents, uh, accidents. Uh, I broke my, my collarbone, my uh, thoracic spine, uh, my left arm I broke twice in two separate um, incidents, and I broke my leg Um uh, pretty seriously uh, back in 2008 so um, I say unlucky because I've had quite a few injuries and I say lucky because broken bones heal and uh, you know when we're out there uh, in a in a group of 10 or so horses going 40 miles an hour um, you could do a lot worse than breaking a bone.
1: How, how is your husband not an emotional wreck every time that gate opens?
5: Um, well, he's actually, he's a little bit more of a nervous person than I am, and I guess sometimes he does express that he gets nervous at certain times, but he's also in the business. He's an assistant trainer for Mike Maker here, and they also have a lot of success at the fairgrounds, um, and we often race together, um, me riding the horses that he's training. So, um, he understands the business, and, you know, we all understand the risk. He also rides all of his horses in the morning for training, so. Um, and he's also been a jockey, so uh, he does understand it, but at the same time, you know it is it's the same risk every time we go out there
1: so Rosie, one more thing before I let you go. this has been a real treat to have you on the show, but um, you know you did you did do one thing very well in um, kind of acclimating yourself to living in New Orleans, and that's becoming a fan of the New Orleans Saints. Your thoughts uh, on how the black and gold are doing this fall
5: well i'll tell you what i I am I've been so excited last year, I think was my first ever, um, like major sports game that I've ever went to. Uh, it was Monday night football at the Superdome and it was awesome. And I, uh, was able to go to Sunday night football last, the last week here, um, when the Saints won, um, this week's game was a little disappointing, but, you know, like I said, the whole city is behind them and they've been playing great overall this season. And I think, you know, we still got a shot to get in the playoffs. So, um, it's pretty exciting, and, you know, we're definitely watching the game every week <laughs> if, as long as I'm not on
1: the racetrack. <laughs> very good, and we got a big one this weekend, that's for sure. Well, Absolutely. congratulations, Rosie, on a, on a great 2013, the uh, Triple Crown run. Ninth in earnings currently was still a short time to go here, uh, and, as, as, and we are very appreciative of you coming by this morning. We'll be watching, to say the least. I hope you'll come back.
5: Absolutely. I'll be here every year. Thanks All right. a lot,
1: guys. Rosie All right. Napravnik thoroughbred jockey, making her home in New Orleans this time of year. She's a giant in the uh, sport of kings, and we're uh, glad to have her this morning on the Black and Blue Report. Stay tuned. We'll be back with a little bit more right after this quick timeout. Are you ready for health reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to
2: help. Learn all you can about health reform at bcbsla.com reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com reform and get ready.
6: Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. Basketball fans of all ages, NBA All-Star 2014 is coming to New Orleans and tips off with four days of wall-to-wall basketball action. February 13th through 16th, NBA All-Star Jam Session transforms the New Orleans Ernest M. Moriel Convention Center into 40 interactive activities, providing fans an authentic NBA experience where they can test their skills, score free autographs from NBA stars, and pick up the hottest NBA All-Star merchandise. Jam Session is your family's ticket to everything NBA All-Star. Tickets start at $10. Buy yours today at
1: nbaevents.com.
0: Follow us on Twitter, at BlackBlueReport.
1: Welcome back to our show from San Francisco. As promised, the uh, Pelicans general manager, Dell Bimps, joins us here uh, on the road. Del, first of all, good to see you. You've been, you've been out in the bottle a little bit. I haven't seen you in, a, gosh, it seems over a week probably. Yeah, we're doing a little
6: scouting. Um, you know, we're always looking at opportunities for the team. And so I, I actually went on a European trip and did a little scouting over there and checking out some college games as well.
1: Where are they on their calendar over there, as far as the European leagues go? They're
6: pretty much similar as us. You know, they line up. You know, their their season. They start a little bit earlier than us. You know, we
1: start in November. They start pretty much in um, October. But you know, we're pretty close. When you get back here to see this team now on this road trip, it it seems like as far as the the general manager's calendar on the NBA side, uh, this is kind of a busy time, isn't it? Can you you help? I think some fans are confused about what December 15th meant and and some of those different things as far as what you're able to do or not do as a general manager.
6: Well, December 15th is a key date because um, most free agents that sign contracts in the summer um, are eligible to be traded on December 15th, and so... Sometimes when teams are looking for trades, um, they want to maximize their opportunity in all the available players. And you know, I would say about 95% of them become available on December 15th. A few of them have until January 15th, but there's only like a handful of those guys. Mm-hmm.
1: And then isn't there a date on the 19th as well that comes up that has some impact? Because everyone wanted to talk about the Ashik window or whatever that was, and, but it seemed hard to explain to folks what, what exactly Houston was trying to do or not do with this quote unquote window.
6: Yeah, Well, what happens is um, if you trade a player and he comes on your team, there's a myth that you can't trade him for 60 days. Um, You can still trade him, but what you can do is if you get another – you can't aggregate a player, meaning combine him in a trade with somebody else for 60 days. Mm And so the 19th is that date that if you get a player, you can combine his salary to match up with another player's. But, you know, you can trade a guy one day and then trade him one for one, or one, and he matches up with two um, two or three days later, um, but like I said, that 19th date means so well, you can aggregate the contracts together.
1: Dell, without getting into specifics, have you have you noticed a lot of talk? Is it Does it seem active around the league right now as we 've now passed the 15th?
6: Um, you know it picks up a little bit, but you know a lot of it you know, people kind of just getting in the field, just making calls. Um, you know, there's 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 a number of dates. Like, you know, the fifteenth a date, you know, around the trade deadline's a date, um, around the draft time, free agency you know, the, the the phone calls increase. You know, sometimes it's just exploratory and sometimes, you know, you know, things heat up.
1: Twenty two games in now for this team. What do you think so far?
6: Um I like our I like our direction. You know,
1: I, I you know, we've had some injuries in
6: being able to, you know, play in a tough conference and battle through the injuries is good. You know, A lot of guys have gotten opportunities, which is good, and so we're getting to evaluate ourselves. And the, the opportunity I see is that when guys get injured, other guys get to step up. And so then when other guys come back, everybody's ready to go. And so um, I'm looking forward to getting healthy. And, um, you know, you know, we got this t- tough road trip. And, you know, it's real important for us to do as well as we can on this road trip and um, keep ourselves in the playoff race.
1: I guess Anthony Davis told us, I guess it was um, Sunday, that he felt like he was very close and it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that perhaps he could return this road trip. Does it seem realistic to you from your standpoint? I know a young player who really is chomping at the bid may say one thing that is contrary to what um, those taking care of him will say. You know,
6: it's great that he wants to come back and play. You know, it, it, you know, I see him out there cheering for his teammates. And even when he got hurt, you know, I was back there in the locker room with them. and the first thing he said, I want to go out there and be with my teammates. I want to go out there and cheer for him. You know, he didn't want to sit back in the locker room and feel sorry for himself. And, that, and that's great. And even like for Tyreek when he was out, you know, he's fighting to get back, fighting to coach to let him play. So that's always um, a good thing to have because we got guys that want to play. You know, Ryan coming back quicker. You know, that, that's, that's a good sign um, that guys are committed to the team. Um, Obviously, we got to be smart. You know, we got to listen to the doctors, and you know, we don't want to do something in the short term that's going to negatively affect the long term. So we'll be smart about it. And um, but you know, a lot of time guys know their body. Is he close in your eyes? (laughs) I mean, I don't want to get you. I'll I'll wait till we talk to the doctors. (laughs) You know, we have a number of dates that you know he sees the doctors and gets examined, and you know, so far you know he is ahead of track, and so but you know we'll see.
1: Dell, when, uh, when you look at what you did with regard to your backcourt, getting Eric Gordon back, obviously, at full health, that, that's proven to be what we all thought it would be. But the Drew Holiday trade situation and gaining Holiday and what he's meant to this team, is this exactly what you would envisioned as far as how he changes the dynamic of each end of the floor? He does. You know, he, he's such a competitor, and he's a quiet
6: competitor, but yet a leader. Um, I mean, he makes some plays out there that make you go, whoa. And, then you know, even on the defensive end, he makes some plays. And, you know, the way... He, you know, he does this thing one time where he forces guys one direction. You think he just opening up the gates, and he gets there and cuts them off. Um, his stopping penetration really helps us. Uh, and, you know, we're thrilled to have him. You know, I'm looking forward to watching him grow and continue to get better. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're very happy
1: with him. There was a lot of talk last week, um, rumblings, I should say, about the young man that you have currently playing in the D League, that you hold his NBA rights. Um, what does that mean as far as holding his NBA rights? How long do you have Pierre's NBA rights? And um, is it like baseball a little bit that you can call him up and down? Or how does that work?
6: Well, you know, when we drafted Pierre last year, um, we thought that he needed a little more time to mature mm-hmm. and, um, you know, learn the pro game a little bit. And originally he was going to go overseas, and he did, ended you know, up coming back and playing in the D League. And he's playing well. Um, you know, we're monitoring his progress. Um, we're thrilled that he's playing well. And, you know, sometimes these things, um, you know, sometimes, you know, when a guy plays well, team think he should automatically get called up. Um, and that's not the case. You know, I think it's one of the things when the team needs you. And, you know, the original plan was to wait and reevaluate everything after um, a year. But, you know, we're going to look into it. You know, we're going to make the, the right decision. You know, we're fully aware of what he's doing. We're monitoring him. And, uh, you know, we're thrilled that he's playing well.
1: Del, when you look at uh, how things have stacked up here through the first quarter of the season with regard to the Western Conference versus the Eastern Conference, it seems so weighted toward the West right now. Does that surprise you a little bit as how how much disparity there is between the two different conferences right now? Yeah, you know,
6: sometimes you wonder if it's coincidence or, you know, teams are just in different stages. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it is something that makes you, you know, scratch your head a little bit. But, you know, I still think that, you know, there's – good teams in both conferences
1: do you sometimes sit back and wonder what what would my uh, team that i've built here look like if we were playing more in the east than the west gosh you, you can you can make some brilliant moves you can develop young talent and and in the west right now you can almost get swallowed up by other teams doing very good things as well
3: yeah
6: you know you <laughs> scratch your head on those thoughts but i try to stay away from them i try to just stay in what's real and you know we've we got to just look at what's in front of us and what's real. And so we can't worry about the rules and those things. But, you know, the one thing is we're going to know how good we are. You know, we're, we're, we, we, we're arguably in the toughest division, so we're going to play San Antonio four times. We're going to play Houston four times and Memphis and Dallas. And, you know, we're, we're going to know how good we are. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, there's not going to be any false, mis- you know, false, you know, representation of how we are.
1: You, you and Monty and, and everyone has been building kind of the program now for a while, and it seems like as we've talked over the last couple of years, there have been different things to measure progress by, whether it be particular player development, um, keeping the core and growing them. Do you turn the corner at some point here to where uh, the, the measurements become more about wins and losses, or how, how does that progression go as far as where you take from – the the subtle measurements to more outward appearances I guess is what I'm getting at.
6: You know growth is obviously the biggest thing and obviously wins and losses is an indicator of that but sometimes it's how you win you know when you're healthy when you're not healthy and you know we feel good about we feel good about our core Um, we definitely want this group to grow together and you know at the same time we're gonna still keep trying to add to it because you know like I said the West is so loaded you have to you know you know good teams are becoming great and, you know, you can't just be good. you got to be close to great to make it in the West. And so, you know, we got that, that's our goal. You know, we're going to keep pushing for yeah,
1: it. was always good to see you. Uh, safe travels. I don't know how long you're going to be with us here on the road, but uh, you've been bouncing around a lot. So stay safe and get some rest out there. Oh, yeah, I'm with the guys on the rest of
6: this trip. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough one, but, you know, we're excited about the opportunity.
1: Pelicans General Manager Dell Demps with us here on the Black and Blue Report. This Tuesday show continues. Joel Myers still to come. We'll be right back here in San Francisco in just a moment.
2: Make the holiday season extra special for your favorite sports fan by giving the gift of Pelicans basketball. The Pelicans holiday plan presented by Austin Steakhouse is the perfect stocking stuffer. With packages starting as low as $45, you can choose any five games, including the Heat, Thunder, and Clippers. Plus, with every holiday plan purchase, you'll receive a free $25 Austin Steakhouse gift card. Call 525 HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your holiday plan today.
0: It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report.
1: Well, our final guest here on the Black and Blue Report this Tuesday is Joel Myers. You know him from Fox Sports New Orleans, of course. Um, we're here in San Francisco. You, you worked and uh, lived here, didn't you?
3: Yeah. The, uh, Sports director, KSFO San Francisco. Uh, studios in the Fairmont Hotel, no less. Across from the world-famous Tonga Room. But I did morning drive, afternoon drive, and at one point it was Paul Wigan who was the head coach at Stanford, Bill Walsh champagne days for the San Francisco 49ers, so we had real extremes. Unfortunately for Paul, who's a great guy, he was on his way out of Stanford and Bill was just descending.
1: We had a great dinner last night. Is this one of your favorite stops as we go around the league?
3: Yeah, there's as I said to you, and we've all talked about it, You know, whether it's New York or whether it's Boston, San Francisco, Chicago, um, nobody beats New Orleans for food but it's nice to experience other cities. And this is one of the great cities, one of the unique cities in the country. And like New Orleans, there's one similarity I find. Uh, it's local restaurants. It's not chains. It's very similar to San Francisco. They support the local restaurants. And you you don't go to chains in San Francisco the same way you don't go to chains in New Orleans.
1: Later today, we'll make that ride across the Bay Bridge, head over to Oakland as the Pelicans will take on the Golden State Warriors. This game intrigues me, Joel, in a lot of ways. I, it all, all of a sudden now, the Warriors seem to be a team that uh, can't seem to figure out who they are again. And yet, just a couple of weeks ago, they talked about how spectacular their chemistry was and how they had it all together. So, in your eyes, where are the Warriors as we get ready for this game tonight?
3: Well, they're a guard team, and, and David Lee used to kind of be the focal point and the baseline. Bogut, I don't think, has delivered as much as they anticipated. They just extended him for three more years. But when you look at this team, uh, you have to say that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are not only the identity, but one of the best backcourts in, back, back in basketball. So, and and when you talk about great backcourts, you know, Tony Parker and Green starts there at the two in San Antonio, although Kawhi Leonard could play the two as well. And and you look at some of the backcourts like John Wall, Bradley Beal. It's kind of fun to put together your list of your top five backcourts. And this group would definitely fall into the top five best backcourts in basketball. So it's a it's a mystery why they're not getting it done right now. But I think it's at the defensive end of the floor more than anywhere else. They don't get stops. They don't have that commitment like they did to make it last year all the way to the second round.
1: What did you think of the first game of the road trip, the loss of Denver the other night?
3: There for the taking. Yeah. I don't think Denver played that well either. And then the Pels just shot 43%. They had too many turnovers. Uh, got hammered on the boards, which is really – unusual for the Pelicans Mm -hmm. even though they've been undersized without Anthony Davis and they've had smaller lineups on the floor their work rate has been so good and so honest and sincere that was the maybe the biggest surprise to me was the disparity just about 20 rebound difference with Denver.
1: As you and David are getting ready for the broadcast tonight what do you you think are the storylines most important to talk about at the top going between these two teams is it a matchup storyline is it an individual storyline with a Pelican what's on your mind? Well Steph
3: Curry was Uh, solid last game against the Pelicans, but Drew Holiday did an exceptional job on him, And and that's the difference in the Pelicans this year, is that Drew Holiday stays in front of the really talented guards in the NBA. He jumps their routes. He takes away their paths that they thought they had. Um, It's an interesting scenario. So if Drew Holiday can play at that level once again defensively, Against Steph Curry, battle his way through the screens. Don't lie; just lay there on the and. But and the Bigs got a hedge for him and help. But if Drew Holiday can stay right where he was, because Steph Curry was frustrated last game at the arena, and that game was there for the taking, as we all know at the final buzzer. San or I say San Francisco, the old days, the old San Francisco Warriors, Golden State, and I get a kick out of teams like. Remember when the California Angels existed? Yes. First of all, it's a big state, and. The Warriors don't represent the state, as we both know. L.A.'s got two teams, so I usually call them the Warriors because I think it's kind of bogus to say Golden State. They should be either the Bay Area Warriors, the Oakland Warriors, the San Francisco Warriors. (laughs) That's just me, though.
1: No, I agree with you. I agree. It's kind of this ambiguous reference to a massive state that has two other tenants, by the way, uh, in the NBA. 22 games in now, um, and I think we're very close on Anthony Davis coming back, and I'm hoping Tyreek, too. Um, Are you as anxious as I am to see this team at its full strength? Because I'm very intrigued by what it will look like.
3: Well, offensively I am uh, because they can outscore people. They still aren't where they need to be defensively, and you and I both know that. But uh, they always have now these uh, player efficiency ratings and points per 100 possessions and pace and, and flow and those type of ratings. Well, the Pelicans stack up offensively with any team in the NBA when Anthony Davis is there and Tyreek Evans is healthy, that's 31 points a game basically. They're losing almost 32 when those two are not on the floor. So they can stack up when those two come back offensively. What they have to do, is, and they're not going to be great defensively, uh, that's a misnomer. They're not built that way right now. They've got a Drew Holiday can play D. Mm -hmm. He's a great cover, and they will get better because he's staying in front of point guards, but they have to just outscore people at this point so far after the first 22 games. I think we found that out.
1: Good stuff. Have a great call tonight. Thank you. Joel Myers with us here on the Black and Blue Report. That will pretty much wrap up today's show from the <laughs> fabulous Ritz Carlton in San Francisco. Again, Joel will be on the air tonight with David on Fox Sports New Orleans. That's a 7.30 tip-off time uh, locally here at 9.30 for you all back in the Central Time Zone. And then I'll have the call on the radio. Tomorrow, David Wesley on the program. Uh, Daniel Sowers will be helping us out. As the Pelicans uh, make their way to Los Angeles, we have a back-to-back, and so Daniel will anchor our coverage uh, tomorrow from the uh, Studio B uh, facility at uh, Airline Drive. And uh, we've got a whole lot more. We'll have post-game reaction to tonight's ball game as well. All right, our thanks today to Dell Demps, Joel Myers, of course, Rosie Napravnik, Ross Tucker. We had a great show today on this Tuesday. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at neworleansaints.com and pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.